Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. <laughs> well, I, I said something real provocative, and I hope I didn't uh, offend anybody. Who's your daddy? I'm not talking about your family of origin. I promise. I wouldn't go that low. Um, But I want to talk to you about governmental authority and what we've evolved into. I read something out of the World Economic Forum this past weekend, and I made a mental note to myself that, hey, I had to come on here and talk about this. So we're going to. And they referred to countries as states, small s. Do you know what that means? It's kind of like the federal government referring to the state of Arizona and the state referring to the county. They're referring to a hierarchy of power. Who's in charge on down? So... Anyway, people are still kind of piling in here, so I'll just kind of set the stage. Um, We're going to talk about the power structure, as I have learned it. And we're going to tie it into some things we've talked to about before, because I think it'll make a lot more sense. Um, While we're waiting for people to come in, in case you did not see my... uh, (laughs) Stephen, be polite now. Please be polite. Um. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. The, um, you know, no matter how old you get and how refined you are and how Christian you think you are, sometimes locker room humor can just kind of jump up and grab you. And it's just, yeah, oh, I got to get rid of that old programming. I should not be laughing at stuff like that. Okay, Stephen, it's okay. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have reacted to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Tom Emmer, is he or isn't he? Well, he is a communist. He did work for George Soros, no question about it. Uh, and to me, that's a disqualifier. And he um, wanted to be the Speaker of the House. And he was the nominee. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, we got Nancy Pelosi in male body. That's who I think he is. He's definitely a communist, definitely a rhino. He got praised by the White House press secretary, for being one of those people that Biden could work with. What does that tell you? R-I-N-O, Rhino is his name O, right? That's who he is. But he withdrew his name today. I think someone told him, like Matt and Marjorie, and uh, I think a couple others says, 
ain't no way in hell. Now, I really thought that would happen, but I thought the Democrats would push him through. I really did, because he is a traitor to the republic. He's for everything but the Constitution. If it's dictatorial, he likes it. If it hurts our economy, he'll vote for it. If it spend us further in debt and cause more inflation, he's all in favor. Oh, my goodness. All right. He's out, and they're starting over. Do you understand that this is actually helping the Democrats? You understand that, right? Okay. How about Larry Fink for Speaker of the House? No, that would be a step down for him. Couldn't do that. Okay. All right. We have tried these arrangements before. There was this Council on Congress that started in the early 1800s in Europe. Oh, we can't have any more wars, but we got banker sponsors. And just in case, we'll make sure they make money on both sides. They'll loan for the buildup. They'll loan to maintain the war, and then they'll pay for the, uh, uh, yeah, they'll make money on the uh, rebuild. Mm-hmm. That's what BlackRock's doing today, but we'll get to that in a second. And then there was World War One. The Congress fell apart as World War One tensions went nuts, and um, and then they had, uh, you know, it's interesting how the assassination of an archduke, he wasn't even a full duke, he was an archduke. John Wayne was more of a duke than he was. And yet that event set off World War One, And it's not dissimilar to what we're seeing here today. So the Archduke is killed by a Serb. Okay. Don't know the circumstances. Don't know if it was false flag or anything like that. But let's just assume it's as history has reported it. Um, he's a Serb. So Austria-Hungary allied with Germany. Serbia allied with Russia. Russia allied with France and Great Britain at the time, they had a problem. Austria-Hungary, where the Archduke was from, said, <clears throat> how dare you? He not only killed the Archduke, he killed his wife. You will stand down your military. Who in their right mind would do that? Nobody. Nobody would do that. And they said no. And so Austria-Hungary mobilized their force on the border. Russia said, you're not going to do that to our little brother. And they mobilized their forces. Then Germany, excuse me, then um, Britain and France went on alert. And Germany's going, holy excrement, we could be caught in a two-front war. So they attacked France through neutral Belgium, thinking this was inevitable. All over an archduke. Israel deserves retribution for what happened. They do. They deserve to punish the Hamas people that committed these murders. But what I hate to see is the extreme loss of life. And now we're seeing calls for stand down Israel or else. Hezbollah, that brings in other countries. Jordan's made their warning. Turkey's making noise. And the Chinese and the Russians are positioning in the Mediterranean alongside our ships. They can they could toss a football back and forth between the ships they're so close. This reminds me of World War One. Now Mitch McConnell, that mental giant that loves to freeze in public, um, and let me remind you, on his senatorial disclosure financial, 
He admits to making $25 million because of association with Chinese maritime interests. Oh, that's right. His wife's parents control the six major ports in communist China. Gee, is that why he always goes soft for supporting Taiwan? Yeah. So just keep that in mind as he makes this statement. He goes on one of those Sunday morning news shows, I don't know, talk to the nation or, okay, tell your lie here. We won't contradict you. Whatever news show that was. And he said, we have a new axis of evil. <laughs> he actually said this, the axis of evil. He's gone back to World War One, World War Two, And he said, um, it's Russia, China, and Iran. Wait, wait a minute. Mitch, who pays you the most money? <laughs> China! What's wrong with this picture? You know, I can't tell who's on whose team. You need a program. So anyway, World War I in this situation today reminds me a lot. But then, then there was the League of Nations. And you're going to like this story. Because where I'm leading with who's really running the planet has some of its roots right here. So you really want to pay close attention to this because we'll come back to it. But then the League of Nations arose out of World War I. But Clemenceau and Lloyd George, the leaders of France and Britain in their negotiations respectively, did a horrible peace agreement, and the League of Nations never had a chance. They included Germany. But they made Germany pay for the war. And I go, wait a minute. Yes, they did launch the first military assault. But they were caught in the middle of what was going to be a two-front war regardless. So why are they totally to blame? They're not. 12 million people died in that war, by the way. And the bankers laughed all the way to the bank. You know, the uh, B of A's, the Wells Fargo, the Federal Reserves, and BlackRock, State Street. They laughed all the way to the bank. They're equivalent in that day. Not that those companies were around and doing that stuff then. They weren't. But I'm just saying the equivalent to them made a lot of money. So let's talk about the League of Nations. It was supposed to be, let's sit down and work our problems out. But they beat up Germany so bad that it led to the rise of an extremist in Hitler. And Hitler started building an economy based on military spending. The greedy bankers were all too happy to make money on this and loaning money, even though it was in violation of the Treaty of Versailles that limited the size of the German military. If they hadn't, the people in Europe had not blamed Germany and made them pay for the entire cost of the war, and their dollar, their equivalent of the dollar, uh, hadn't hyperinflated. We might not have had World War II in the form we did, but these clowns guaranteed it. This is just like what Biden has done to Russia. Biden put sanctions on Russia. It would have hurt the ruble. But Putin was pretty crafty, and we still don't have confirmation on that story, by the way. I should mention this very quickly. It's been reported in the Indian media and in their biggest magazine, also a few of their newspapers, that Putin had a heart attack. And it was also uh, an article on, I believe, Steve Quayle's site, uh, Jeff Rentz's site, uh, this has been all around, and we're all saying the same thing. We don't know what to think, but it, I've been saying for a while they're going to take Putin out because the oligarchs can't be happy with what's gone on with the war in Ukraine. That should have been over a long time ago, and it's costing resources. But what Putin did though, with the ruble was intelligent. 
He saved it by going gold back and doing the BRICS thing. Then he got 41 other nations to join him. Central to that is Iranian oil, which is why this is not going to go very far in conflict until Russia gets involved, because they're not going to let Iranian oil production be endangered without fighting. But what happened was Biden drove Russia to go BRICS. Now the petrodollar is all but dead. It's on life support. Because a lot of the nations of the world say, well, we don't have to follow Bretton Woods anymore. We don't have to use the dollar as a reserve currency, buy oil with it. To hell with that. We got the BRICS. Caused by Biden and what he did to the Russian economy. And you're saying, well, Dave, they did attack Ukraine. Yes, they did. But it had to be the most stupid sanction we could have done. No one ever accused these people in the White House and including Obama's leadership, because he's really calling the shots here. No one accuses people of being bright politicians. They're not. They're children in their positions. They have no idea what they're doing. Because what this did, when they put those sanctions on Russia, this led to the decline of the dollar because of the BRICS competition. I hope that makes sense to you. Now, some people say, well, that's like everything else Biden has done. He's done nothing but hurt America. You can't name one positive thing he's done, and I, I agree with that. So was that an intentional move by Biden to bring America down for the great reset? After all, during the campaign of 2020, he kept quoting Klaus Schwab, we're going to build back better. And I'm thinking, you moron, build back better from what? The three best economic years in American history? You're going to build back better from that? So that meant he had to tear it down to bring it back. And this is what this these sanctions did. This was stupid. This was absolutely unintelligent. And I will tell you, they have turned... Russia into Nazi Germany. They've militarized them. Because Russia didn't stop with the idea that uh, we're going to go gold back. They started building weapons not to use in Ukraine, but to use against us like their hypersonic missile. They're not using this hypersonic missile on Ukraine. They're not going to waste it there. They don't need it there. They need it for us. And this is what Biden's reckless action on that sanction did. And it's just like the Treaty of Versailles. By the way, let me digress to America when America actually had patriots, patriots serving in Congress and the Senate. Woodrow Wilson goes off to Europe and he kind of like thumbs his nose to the Congress. We don't need you. I can go negotiate this deal. The Senate's supposed to advise and consent on any treaty and then approve it by a two-thirds vote. Wilson totally left him out of the process because he was an arrogant globalist. He was in Rockefeller's hip pocket. Remember, graduate income tax, Federal Reserve. Remember all that? Okay. That was the same Woodrow Wilson. Lied us into war. I will not send the young boys of America to die on the battlefields of Europe until after I get elected. And then I'll give you globalists and your economists and you bankers the war that you will make so much money on. That was Woodrow Wilson. Before Obama became president, I ranked him as the worst president in American history. And I had he and Obama vying for one and two. Now we got the guy who's putting both of those to shame with Biden. But anyway, the Treaty of Versailles that started the League of Nations, the United States never joined the League of Nations. A lot of people don't know that. We did not because of a group of senators. And it's kind of reminding me of Jim Jordan Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates. The parallels in history are incredible. We're not just rhyming history here. We're repeating history. But the senators rose up, led by Henry Cabot Lodge. And he said, you know, you're really an arrogant president. You should have taken us to Europe 
and help negotiate this peace treaty. And we don't like what you've done. There's problems down the road, and you may be causing another war. He actually said this. Henry Cabell Lodge was a smart guy, and he led the fight. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time against not ratifying the league of nations and the treaty of versailles the 14 points and all that you know freedom of the seas and there was some good stuff in there there was some globalist stuff in there oh yes world government was very much a goal of people like the rothschilds the rockefellers and the big industrialists of the day they wanted globalism They just were a long way off from doing it. Did not have the technology. That problem does not exist for these people now. So what we did is we just passed a resolution in Congress declaring an end to the war. Boy, where are these senators today? Where are the Henry Cabot Lodges in the Senate? Maybe Rand Paul, and I say maybe Rand Paul. But really the only people we have are true patriots are in Congress, and there ain't very many of them. They're few and far between. So anyway, to continue with these analogies, we end up fighting World War II because the Treaty of Versailles caused it. And 
We fight this war. And then Bretton Woods comes along in 1944 when it was clear the U.S. was going to win the war and might be the only nation left standing. Britain was bombed out. France was destroyed. Germany will be destroyed. Much of Europe was destroyed. A lot of Asia was destroyed. And so who's the major industrial power left? This country has been untouched by the war in terms of its homeland, and that would be the United States. So the international bankers came to Bretton Woods, and they had a meeting in 1944, and they said, well, oil is going to be used as, uh, this is kind of like the World Economic Forum, by the way. It's a really good parallel. And they met in secret. <clears throat> but they came out of the meeting and they said, well, the U.S. dollar is going to be the reserve currency. And as nations need oil to rebuild and go into industrialization, they're going to have to first use the U.S. dollar. Man, that made our economy go crazy. After World War II, because of this agreement, we had 50% of the world's GDP with 4% of the population. We had just incredible, fantastic wealth. Americans were so wealthy by comparison, we could not build homes fast enough. This is what led to the prefabrication of homes, because they could build them faster. And I believe they started the first projects in New Jersey, and they just built these track homes. And these veterans would come home from the war, and they and their wife and their kids were living upstairs in the attic of their parents' homes until these homes were built. Great economy. Tremendous economy. And then they had children that became the baby boom generation. That's another story for another time. But the baby boom generation has basically stopped working. And this is why the economy is going into the pooper. It would have done it anyway, but Biden made it a lot worse than it had to be. Okay, so you have post-World War II. Then the United Nations comes along. And Rockefeller, who wanted the League of Nations, David, son of John II, right? There was John. There was John. And there was David. David was not going to let the League of Nations happen again. I own this land on the East Bank in New York City, and I'm going to donate it to the United Nations. And I'm going to use my power to make sure you and America pay for almost every dime of this budget. Because I'm determined to have world government. And that's really the origin of this. So this has been the movement really since the early 1800s, uh, moving into the modern era. And this has been the history. And the Rockefellers were lockstep the entire way now. Now, a lot of the Rockefeller empire has been absorbed by BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard today. So we're looking really at a generation following David Rockefeller, who I think he lived to be 103. By the way, when he wrote in his memoirs, and he said, uh, people accuse us, of wanting a new world order, a one world government. And those people, you're right. And we want to thank our friends at the Washington Post and the New York Times and the other media outlets and TV and radio for helping making that happen. That's actually true. That's in his book, Memoirs. <laughs> I couldn't make this stuff up. So anyway, here's what ends up happening. It's kind of like we're building the Tower of Babel again. Have you got that analogy? So, the world has been, we're using America as the world policeman. And we actually were designated that term. You're the world policeman, America. So we engaged in every dirty trick to make the world the way that the bankers wanted it. And here was the clash in the Kennedy presidency. And I think you'll find this interesting. Kennedy walked into a time now different than the time he was raised in. 
And Kennedy walked into the CIA was dominant and they were the dirty force around the world, giving the globalists what they wanted. You want a revolution in Iran? You want to fix that election? You want to fix the election in Iraq? Put in whoever you want? Yeah, this is what happened. And, uh, of course, we got into nefarious things, illegal activities, things we probably shouldn't talk about here. But this came out of CIA activity, too, the Golden Triangle, you know, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and the big Golden Triangle, you know, came out of there, if you know your Vietnam history. But anyway, um, we have a situation now where the United States was the world policeman trying to unify the world. We were the... New World Order. But we didn't quite get the job done because we have certain things in the way. Um, But when John Kennedy came in, he came in to rule for America. That ship had sailed. And every aspect of his government was infiltrated. It reminds me of Trump. And there's your parallel there. I'm surprised Trump survived his four years. I really am. And John Kennedy took on the administration and says, no, we're not having the war in Vietnam. No, we're going to have something compete with the Federal Reserve note called the dollar. And he had the silver bullion. You remember that $4 billion worth that was all recalled after he was killed. And uh, he, he says, no, we're not invading Cuba. Uh, we're, we're not going to absolutely positively try to start a war with Russia. They wanted a war with Russia. His joint chiefs were all over him. There was talk of a military coup against Kennedy because he wouldn't invade Cuba. Now we know that they had nuclear weapons, and our entire invasion force would have been destroyed. We'd lost 100,000 soldiers. He was right. He and Bobby were standing up against General LeMay, who I always believe he had a hand in the dirty thing that followed. And he stood up to Avril Harriman, all these guys that were globalists of the day, And how did he end up? And who did they get to take his place? A criminal. Lyndon Johnson, a horrible criminal. I mean, in terms of his personal criminality, he's dirtier than Joe Biden, but he didn't have dirty ties that made him a traitor. Joe Biden does, at least according to the, well, come on, the House Oversight Committee. If you're to believe the evidence they put forth, then uh, I think Biden's crimes clearly going to treason because China's not our friend. Uh, Lyndon Johnson was not a traitor in that regard, but he was a traitor to John Kennedy. He was a traitor to the uh, uh, military, uh, to the people on behalf of the military industrial complex. He gave him Vietnam when there was no justification for the war. He oversaw the Gulf of Tonkin false flag operation that's later been admitted to by the government. Okay. So this is kind of how we got to where we are now. In 1973, something amazing happened. The Trilateral Commission was created. And it was an answer to the Soviet Eastern Bloc to some degree, but it was Western Europe, Japan, North America. Zygmunt Brzezinski, who, by the way, was uh, Barack Obama's Soviet Studies professor at Occidental College, true story, Uh, He and David Rockefeller put together the Trilateral Commission to have a more equitable and just world order. And Zygmunt Brzezinski had written a book in which he said, this is pretty interesting, we need to have a technotronic era, one where everyone's held accountable. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? CBDC, smart cities, total surveillance. 
And you know when Brzezinski wrote this book? 1970. And he was Obama's Soviet professor. Kind of interesting, isn't it, when you look at the link then and now. So the Trilateral Commission superseded governmental authority. And they always had the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, John Rockefeller, the second Rockefeller, started this in the 1920s following us not getting in the League of Nations. So they tried to compensate by having an elitist cabal of media, industry, and so forth, politicians. And they would meet. They still exist today. They used to deny they existed. Now, Hillary Clinton did press conferences with the CFR in the background with the moniker. It's kind of funny. It was during her presidential campaign. They've come a long way. The trilaterals are still a little bit on the secret side. But the trilaterals grew because what was it, in the 50s? We had the first Bilderberg conference. <clears throat> and this predates the uh, trilaterals. And eventually you get a European Union out of those meetings. Uh-huh, so you have to start consolidating nations under one house. During the Bush years, they tried to consolidate Mexico, Canada, and the United States. This is a really true story. You should read about this. This is when I was first coming into radio, and Jerome Corsi was my second guest. Alex Jones' guest host at the time, Bob Dacey, was my uh, first guest. And I had contacted Bob because he was helping us. He had fought against I-35 and the NAFTA highway and stealing people's land for international order. And we were kind of fighting the same thing with McCain. So I, I reached out to him, and he was really helpful. What a great guy he is. And uh, he owns a bunch of true value stores in Austin, Texas. And I came on my show, and he we talked about the, these arrangements. Jerome Corsi was all over this, as I'm sure you remember Jerome Corsi. Talk about starting your interviews at the top of the ladder. I didn't have to work my way up. I got, God smiled on me, and I got these great guests right from the very beginning. And so I was dealing with these people and really becoming very educated, and we had the North American Union. They even had a currency drawn up called the Amero, and I went nuts because if we had blended the American dollar with the Mexican peso, you'd have lost 50% of your buying power overnight. Oh, that would have been bad. And they had Codex Alimentarius. They wanted to do away with natural health care. But see, this globalism move has been here, and this is what it was. But sitting in the background was the United Nations, and they pretended to mediate this and so forth. But every time they got involved in international conflict, they made things worse. Rwanda, where UN soldiers stood around and watched while the atrocities occurred between the two tribes. They were right there. They didn't do anything. Rwanda, to this day, still hates the United Nations over this. But the UN started to gain some power. They were responsible to some degree for China's relations being normalized with Henry Kissinger, total globalist, I mean, he was the guy that said, control oil, you control nations, control food, you control the people, Henry Kissinger. And he was the um, Secretary of State to Richard Nixon, who brought China in. And kind of interesting. At that time, we actually were recognizing Formosa, now called Taiwan, and uh, Red China. Oh, no, they're a rogue nation. Mao Zedong, no, we're not recognizing those guys. They're criminals. But then we decided we could make a lot of money off of them. And Brzezinski's book in 1970, The Technotronic Era Between Two Ages, which I think became the guiding light 
for both Obama and now Biden, said that we need to transfer resource wealth from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere. And China would have been considered to be Southern Hemisphere in his definition because they were poor third world country. And they did this so the industrialists could make more money. Because if you take some money out of America and put it in Africa, well, then those people can buy TV sets and all kinds of nice little luxuries they couldn't have before that we've enjoyed and take for granted. And it doubles the profits of the globalist industrialists. And so we started to see wealth shifting as early as the 70s. Now, here comes the U.N., and they start talking about population. We're overpopulated. A guy named Paul Ehrlich wrote something called the uh, population bomb. I had to read that when I was in high school. And and my teacher asked me what I thought, and I said, it's a bunch of shit. I almost got in trouble. I said, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) Mrs. Jones, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But it is a bunch of crap. She said, why do you think that? And I heard something my dad once said he goes he said you could give someone an acre and and put everyone on the planet in the state of texas fit so i said how is that overcrowded i mean and i wasn't this wasn't an environmental issue it was a population issue it grew into the environmental movement and this is where the u.n started to really gain steam and the u.n moved to the head of the pack and you have the World Health Organization, and we'll talk about health issues. You got the World Economic Forum, that is the administrative governmental arm and future planning arm. They're like research and development to the United Nations today. And the UN is over all of them. People said, who's really in charge? But I want to go back to something you've already learned on this channel. Do you remember I researched... The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Who are big investors in the United Nations? Well, number one, privately, the nations are because they have to pay membership fees. We pay 44%, isn't that nice, uh, to subvert our own constitution and take on sustainable developmental goals. It's not that I'm not an environmentalist. I am. But I don't want to give up America's sovereignty to a foreign body to achieve something we could be working cooperatively with other nations on without giving away our power, our Bill of Rights. This is what we're doing. We're giving away our rights to the United Nations. And this is something that I hope that you really realize. Um, this is a complete loss of sovereignty. So when I say things like electric cars are preferable, yeah, if we can make the technology work and it's equivalent in price and it's is accessible as gasoline cars, yeah, I have no problem with that transit, but it has to be a transition. And they're trying to impose it on us without a transition period. And that's what I object to. Um, but the United Nations thinks that they can tell us what to do. They superimpose authority over the Constitution. So people said, well, wait a minute. Biden went out and did a treaty, but he just calls it an agreement. It's a treaty. Anytime you do an agreement with a foreign entity, it's a treaty by definition. 
requiring a two-thirds approval of the Senate. But let me give you an example of this. Even if the agreement's a good agreement, it could have everything perfect, and America's better off for having this agreement, hypothetically speaking. He still broke American Constitution by not putting it through the Senate and getting a two-thirds vote. Who controls the World Health Organization? The U.N. Biden is subservient to the U.N. His predecessor, Barack Obama, in December of 2016, signed something called the Kigali Principles, another treaty. He and John Kerry did this Kigali Principles thing, and a lot of people don't know this. In the event of an emergency, medical, military, whatever it would be, the president can declare an emergency and call in 28 member nations. There are 28 members that belong to the Kigali principles, and they can bring their health workers and impose their authority over our health system. They can bring their military and impose their will over our military. Look it up. The Kigali principles, K-I-G-A-L-I, named after the capital of Rwanda for that desecration and genocide that took place there while the UN watch that I just mentioned previously. And we just basically signed over our power to the United Nations without even going through a legislative body. But here's the worst thing in this, ladies and gentlemen. It's the fact that Congress and the Senate sit there and let it happen. The House of Representatives has the power to defund They could say to Biden, no, 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 we're going to close down everything you're doing. And we're going to start with name an agency, I don't know, the EPA, just for example. Then we're going to go to the FBI. Then we're going to go, okay, we're going to close it all down one at a time until you stop giving away American sovereignty. You will put all of these actions into the Senate for debate and a vote. That's our way. And I'm not saying that we wouldn't end up with the same agreements. But what I'm saying is, is one man should not sit in the White House in the Oval Office like Obama and then Biden and make these decisions to give away our country. And this is what they've done. They've given away our autonomy. And even if the motives of these third parties are great, it violates our system and nearly 250 years of tradition. And this is why I'm opposed to the New World Order. I'm not opposed to cooperative discussions, staying out of other people's businesses like Washington's farewell address told us to do. He said, don't get involved in foreign entanglements. You're going to get involved in wars. And he's been right every step of the way. When we stuck our nose in things, we always got involved in a war. But the bankers like that. The people that uh, manage the assets of the bank, they love war. Because those same people manage the military-industrial complex. Why do you think Dwight Eisenhower warned us? Beware of the military-industrial complex. Its power is unwarranted, meaning unconstitutional, and unprecedented. Never happened before. Happens now. This is why we're in the mess we're in. Because we have not followed the wisdom of people like Eisenhower who's a great American. Yes, he had his flaws, but he was a great American. And George Washington, his record speaks for itself. If we would have listened to these people along with Thomas Jefferson, we wouldn't be staring down the barrel of billions of people perhaps facing extinction on this planet because little children can't manage their countries and go to war with each other. 
This is why we should be really pissed off as a people. And so when I tell you that we should not obey any draft that comes up, this is why. We're in this position because of the illegal actions by Biden and Obama before him. And they have put us in these situations where do we owe them our adult children? I say no and hell no. And this is really what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. And if Tom Emmer had gotten the Speaker of the House position, this this is just giving everything Biden wants. He would have been a yes man for Biden. It would have been absolutely all over. It would have been absolutely horrible. And, and I hope you've appreciated and, and at least come to somewhat understand, if you haven't heard it before, the historical parallels that I've made here. Because we're making the same damn mistakes. People ask me sometimes, Dave, you seem to know a lot about government. No, actually, I don't know as much about government as I know about history. And I know we're making the same damn mistakes. And we are. And we need to stop. And and I tell people, you know, people say it's a waste of time to be involved politically. I agree with you. This is a spiritual problem. We need to be praying for and doing it collectively like we talked about last night. But I also want to say this and be very, very clear about this. We still have to stay active in the political arena because that's the battlefield that we're on. And you have to fight the enemy that's in front of you. Yes, I think there's demonic spirits that are inhabiting people and making them do crazy things. Who else would want to start a war that could kill 6 billion people on this planet? Who in their right mind would ever do such a thing? A satanic demon, that's who. This isn't normal behavior for a human being. And this is why we need to stand up and say no. And the Speaker of the House position is so important. If I had my way, I'll be honest with you, there's someone I would have chosen over Jim Jordan, although I I think Jim Jordan would have been a great choice. Matt Gates, because he's unafraid. He's the Thomas Jefferson of our day. He stood up and called out Alexander Hamilton, who was owned by the Rothschild banking system, for bringing in the First National Bank and trying to steal our money like the Federal Reserve has done. Where a dollar in 1913 today is worth three cents. Jefferson said, this is what we've signed on to and we need to be out of it. And because of his arguments and Madison's arguments, what ended up happening is America just let the bank die. Oh, boy, there's a whole history there, too, about how the Europeans tried to bring their banking system back to control us and all the attempted presidential assassinations, the poisoning. Oh, it's it's an incredible story. I'll go through it some night because it's not conspiracy theory. It's absolute positively the facts and the truth. Uh, Kiwi last. Thank you very much. ABCs are trading illegally on U.S. soil uh, by the founding constitution. Can, can you tell me what are ABCs? I'm not sure what you mean by that. I think of the, the network, the TV network, ABC. Um, but anyway, and someone made this comment right below too. And, and if you want to elaborate on that Kiwi, I'll come back to you, but it says here, the B system is rising. Uh, God is allowing it. That's how, you know, Jesus is returning soon. That's a strong argument. But I'm also mindful of the fact that the Bible says we don't know when he returns. So I'm really careful about making those kind of prognostications because God could clean all this up right now if we, I think, showed enough redemption and wanted to be saved. 
and he might push this off to a later generation. I think that's entirely possible. But today, the way things are going, I don't think it's terribly likely. Um, I'm just looking here at a couple of your comments here. Uh, Kiwi says, UN, EU, NATO, WEF. Okay, thank you. That makes a lot of sense now. Okay. I, I agree with you. Um, but the World Economic Forum, everyone says they're the evil on the planet. Well, they do a lot of evil things. I mean, the fact that they want to lock you in cities, limit your movement, tell you what you can eat and how many clothes you can buy a year and not travel. and Yeah, I think that's pretty evil. I mean, that's as bad or worse than what the serfs went through in the Middle Ages. So yeah, I think that's pretty bad. But um, what's worse are people that really want to almost exterminate humanity. And see, I think that's where the demonic entities come in. I really do. There are some people, and I've actually talked about this, and I wasn't going to go here, but I actually talked about it at a tea party in Phoenix, tea party meeting, and it was actually really well received. I said, look, I don't know if this is true, but when the fallen angels came on Genesis 6 and they bred with earth women, the genes are there. Did the genetics survive past the flood? And some people say there's biblical evidence. I've looked at it, and I said I could kind of go either way on this, but let's assume for the sake of argument it did. We could very possibly have two different DNA on this planet. Human, fallen angel, hybrid. I know you're going to say, Nephi, well, maybe, and that and other things too. But it could be that the, the bad guy DNAs are the ones that could care less about exterminating 6 billion people. It's only a theory. And it's not really central to whether or not I believe in the Lord and will do his bidding. It's not where I come from on this. But to me, it's something looking at, because I'm looking for an explanation about how could one human being be so evil to make decisions to put everybody on the planet in jeopardy? This is what Joe Biden has done. This is what Netanyahu has done. And, and yes, I believe that strike teams could have gone in and gotten the Hamas leaders and meted out justice. And I don't think anyone in the world, for the most part, except for people from Palestine that have emigrated somewhere else and they'd root for their own, I don't think most people would have said anything. Most people were saying very early on, Israel deserves retribution. They deserve to have those deaths avenged. But when you're seeing what's going on there now, the water shut off, the food not going in, you got to remember 90% of those people, looks like 90% of the Chinese, 90% of the Russians, 90% of America, we're not on board with this violence crap. No human being in their right mind is. This goes back to this. Most of us on the planet just want to be left alone. But then there are those like the Bidens that won't leave us alone. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. And I'm wondering how much, how much of it is demonic. Clearly, I'm seeing demonic behavior. Anyone that would ever think of launching a nuclear weapon against any kind of city anywhere on the planet, I don't care if it's in the Middle East or in North America or in China, anyone that would do that is pure evil. And it's kind of interesting because... I think the Palestinian protesters are a little short-sighted. And here's what I mean by this. I, if I were Palestinian, and, I, and I'm not, but I'm kind of upset about all the civilian casualties too. I think there should be justice, but I think, I think that life should be respected. But where the Palestinians are falling short, and I'm talking about the people who have emigrated to America and around the world, but they need to realize this is even a bigger problem than Gaza. 
because this could end up in nuclear war. And now all of a sudden, when they're protesting from a safe distance, they're no longer safe. And I don't think they're thinking that far ahead. See, we've entrusted this planet and we've let people get in control who are pure evil. And I want to say something here today that happened this morning at the United Nations. The Secretary General basically said to Israel, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he said, 56 years of occupation of Palestine. I can understand why what happened in Israel happened. I about fell out of my chair. There's no justification that justifies the butchering of 1,400 non-combatants. And I'm giving the same consideration to the people in Palestine, too, because we're all children of the same God. Even if some people are off target or evil, they're demonically possessed, we're all children of the same God. And I give both sides of this equal respect and love because they're my fellow human beings. But for the Secretary General of the UN to say that, he does need to resign. There's no justification for that kind of violence. I just, I was in shock. And the Israeli uh, ambassador to the UN went off. And he was very dignified, given how, and he was furious, and I can't blame him. I can't blame him. This is an unfortunate situation that needs to go to peace. And even if that means you don't catch every Hamas leader for the good of the planet, it has to go to peace. Now, I know the Jewish culture, they hunted down Eichmann until they caught him in the 60s. Isn't that right? Right? Death camp man. They brought him to justice. I know Israel won't let go of this. But I think there's a better way to go about justice than having innocent civilians die and having this end up in World War III. We need to pray that these children who run our governments, these selfish, self-indulgent children, are paralyzed to bring us to war. I had someone today tell me, um, he does some work with me, and he said, um, yeah, I listened to your broadcast last night. He goes, I visualized all the weapons in the Middle East melting. <laughs> I think that's a great thing. That would be a great day. It truly would. Um, I would ask that you pray for that. Pray that these hostilities don't increase and that Israel as a nation gets the justice that those 1,400 victims deserve but stop creating victims in Palestine. And I, listen, I'm not taking either side here. I want to walk away from this in peace. I want us to have our world intact. And it's not going to be intact for much longer the way we're going. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would tell you, and Annie Oakley is saying this right now, um, Yeti is one of our moderators here. She said, um, call your Congress and raise heck. I agree. I agree with that entirely. That's the battlefield broad. It seems like a pointless deal. I had someone actually tell me that they talked to a staffer 
they said, have you heard of Dave Hodges? He's starting this toss them all movement. And she said, no, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. What does that mean? He wants to get rid of all the Republican incumbents in Congress and replace them with plumbers and um, uh, ditch diggers and people who are unskilled laborers uh, because they'll do a better job representing the country than the people that are for sale. Said, so what was the reaction? They couldn't get off the phone fast enough. (laughs) Pray for peace. We're betrayed by our leadership who've given our sovereignty over to international bodies. We've been betrayed from within and we're being threatened from without. I'm not sure I have much of an answer, but we need to put up a fight in Congress because we need a strong speaker who can start defunding Biden's warlike ways as well as his treason. And then we need to make sure that um, we start on a path to set things right if we're able to do that. But pray for peace, number one, and pray that the Speaker of the House goes to someone like Kevin McCarthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates someone who will stand up to Biden and say no more treason, no more self-destruction, no more evil against our people. Pray for that, please. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming uh, tonight. This, I think, I hope you didn't find the history lesson, lesson boring, but I wanted you to know where we started, how we got here, and who's in charge. Biden answers to the UN. He doesn't answer to you. Don't listen to that. We heard a commercial of his. I'll say this before we close. My wife heard a commercial, um, and I walked in on the end of it, and was telling about what a wonderful job Biden's done with the economy. She didn't cuss, but she almost gagged. I don't know how we got here. Well, I kind of do. We got here through ignorance and apathy, but we can correct it, but we can only correct it with the help upstairs, but stay active. God commands us to be active warriors against evil. Keep calling Congress, keep sending them emails and let them know that the speaker issue is a big problem that if they get someone like Tom Emmer in there, they get that clown in there or anyone like him. We need to absolutely make sure that if there's an election in 2024, None of those clowns come back. Anyway, I'll see you back here next time. God bless. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here. And we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TheCommonSenseShow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, 
hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container, you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50 year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground. It will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.